Texas Southern swept Grambling on NBA TV, but the men's and women's got it done in completely different ways. Also, Jackson State is back in the Southern Heritage Classic. Oh yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU. Your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And me, I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day. And Texas Southern upsets Grambling behind a trio of big time performances from Ataya Bridges, Jada Perry, and Andriana Avent. And I use the word upset relatively loosely. They came into the game with the lesser record, they came into the game lower on the standings. And I think that they came in the game colder. But by far, would I, but I wouldn't by far say they were the worst team. I don't think this is a surprising victory. But if you listen to the commentators, they spoke, it, spoke of it as if Grambling should win this game. Whether or not that's true, I don't think it was enough to justify how much they seem to believe it, right? They could have just been praising Grambling at the time, and I could be a sensitive, sensitive alum, right? That could just be what's going on. But as a whole, that's kind of how I felt, and I get it. They were coming into the game on a three-game winning streak. Texas Southern just lost to Bethune-Cookman in a game that you don't want them to lose. But people forget. That leaves a sour taste in someone's mouth. I get it. But people forget. Before that loss, they were on a three-game winning streak of their own. So these are both quality teams, and the end of the game resulted in a 96-86 to final. High scoring. And they needed all of these players to step up in the way they did. So when I look at it, TSU was able to win this game because of a couple of reasons. One, their resilience. They were very resilient. Every time Grambling had a run, Texas Southern responded. Like, Grambling would do something that made you feel like they had the momentum. And then Texas Southern would say, not so fast, my friend. That's exactly how it would go multiple times throughout the game, just ebbs and flows. But it rarely resulted in Grambling taking command of the game. It seemed like they started snatching momentum back. But I don't think they really took command of the game once it got going. And the other thing, aside from resilience, was just big-time play. That's it. Big-time play. When you have a game that's 96 to 86, you need some players to show up. This was, as far as Texas Southern goes, this was the second highest-scoring game in the SWAC women's basketball this year. Or third, excuse me. It was the third-highest game in SWAC women's basketball this year. But there was two teams ahead of them. One was Texas Southern scoring 100 points, and the other was Jackson State earlier in the year. Atiyah Bridges put up 34. That was the second most points scored by any person in a game, only behind her teammate, Andrana Avent, earlier in the year. So these teams, specifically Texas Southern, knows how to score. I thought that Grambling did it in a, in a way that I didn't expect with Alexis Holt not really getting loose the way I, I thought she might have, especially coming off of the last 
two games where she had 27 or more points in both, but they did a really good job. And part of that was to credit Ataya Bridges, who now we're going to talk about as a scorer because she had 34 points, seven assists and three steals on national TV. She went completely off. And I remember when Bridges first got there, I was going out the time she was coming in. So her first year at Texas Southern was my last year. That was the COVID year. And I didn't see this. I did not. I saw a potential to be a, a pretty good scorer, but I don't think I saw her becoming the consistent scorer that she is today, where she is lined up game after game, 20-point game, near 20-point game, 20-point game. And now she's at a 30-point game right here. Um, and I think maybe some of that was the fact that she was behind Naya Mitchell, Siani Cryer, where she didn't have to do as much. She did have a big-time game within there. She had a couple 20-point games within that season, if my memory serves me right. And what she's doing then pales in comparison to who she has become today. It's just amazing to watch. And she is the commander on that, on that offense. Whether it was scoring, she dropped 34. Whether it was assisting or facilitating and driving the offense, she had seven assists. And then defensively, that's something she's always been able to do. I always knew she was a dog defensively. She came in like that. A transfer student, junior, when she came in, she's a grad student now. She was always a dog defensively. And you look at it, she's diminutive in stature, but she plays bigger, right? That cliche. But forget the cliches. She stands 5'4 and goes in the paint on a consistent basis. And that's how she was able to get to the free throw line so many times. She had 16 attempts, knocked in 15. And some of those came at the end of the game when you're trying to ice it. But a large majority of them came when she was diving into the, into the, um, into the paint, getting knocked around, getting active as far as getting her own rebound sometimes and putting the ball back up. She was phenomenal in this game, scoring from mid-range, scoring in the paint, knocked down a three to go along with it. I think that when you look at Atiyah Bridges on this stage, showing out the way she did, oh my gosh, everybody should know now. Some people weren't going to check out the girls' game, and I hate when people do that. I hate when people didn't show up to the girls' game. That always ticked me off. Like, I'm not going to lie, because I was always there. Whether I was covering the game or not, I was typically there for the girls' game, if I if I could be. So, like, they, man, you missed a display. This woman absolutely balled, and she had good defense. Occasionally, she was lined up against Alexis Hope. I thought she absolutely showed what kind of player she is, and that's a, one of the best players in the swag. So, Along with her scoring, because she did have 34 as led the team, led the game as a whole. She also was partnered with Andriana Avent, who came in and scored the same exact way we kind of talked about her scoring on Thursday's episode. In spurts, she came in and knew she could score really fast, score six points in the first four minutes she was in the game. Coming off the bench as usual, just a jolt of electricity offensively. And I, I really did enjoy it because along with that, she also had another run about halfway through the game, I believe, where she scored a couple threes back-to-back. -back. And you don't have to worry about, oh, she's spurty or she, she's streaky. No, she's consistent. They just come out and kind of burst, kind of spurts. But she's consistent. That's how she was able to get 23. And she knocked in four, um, four points from behind, or excuse me, four shots from behind the three-point line. So she was really good. And, you know, Coach Cooper Dyke, she's going to be fastidious. But she was talking about, oh, well, you know, we could get her playing defense. Like, man, I love it because you want your players to always get better. But at the same time, it's like, come on, Coop. Come on, Coop. Like, she she balling. She playing the way she playing offensively. But I get it. You know, you're always trying to coach to get even better. That's just who she was or who she is as a coach. And then lastly, Jada Perry came in and she had 21. And I think the most impressive thing about her was the fact that 
at the free throw line, she knocked in seven of eight. And she's had a lot of struggles shooting free throws as of late, you know, for the most part in the season, but really as of late, it's really been kind of stronger. So for her to come in and propel herself into that 20 point range because she was able to knock down so many free throws and just battle in the paint. She had her fourth double double in six games. And then a lot of times she would get a rebound, go up. She had a couple of three point plays the old fashioned way as my speaker at the TSU at the H and P E arena would always say, but those are the things she did. She battled in the paint. She put up uh shots, sometimes got fouled, converted those free throw lines and, I think a lot of times Gramlin may have felt comfortable going in, like we're going to send her to the free throw line. But every time she make it, I just imagine they're like that, um, that key and peel skit where every time you flip to him, peel was just sweating more and more and more and more. I imagine that was them when, when um, Perry went to the offensive or when Perry went to the free throw line. And when you look at these three players, yes, they showed out, but I feel like they perfectly complement each other where you have bridges who is just a slasher and can really do everything along the court and really slashes well. You have Avent who handles up behind the three-point line extremely well, and you have Perry who just dominates the paint, getting double-double after double-double. It's just perfect harmony in my opinion. And when I look at them, if they can perform, maybe not like this because three players going over 20 points is hard, but continue to do what they do in their respective roles, TSU is going to be a tough out, just like the men's team is. Because they knocked off Grambling, and they ha they have some really big accomplishment coming from that. Like, they should feel really good in the result of that game. And I'm going to discuss that going forward. But first, I want to tell you about Bet Online because, man, look, my guy Joe lost, okay? Joe Burrow, and Bengals, they lost. Ah, oh, man, it was difficult. But if you, if you bet on the Rams, then you got some money. And now football season is over. It's over. Um... Man, this this was hard. I knew I was going to talk about it. It's hard. But, you know, I got love for my LSU guys, so it's tough to see them lose. But at least Odell got a ring. That's some sort of consolation. If you bet on that and had a vested interest, BetOnline is where you need to be. BetOnline.net has all the teams, all the games, all the sports. You just go in and you go and look. Player performance props, whatever you want. Boxing, hockey, UFC, favorite Vegas casino games, basketball is going to be big, especially with football being over. You can go to it all. They're the best in the business. That's betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, as we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, we just discussed how the women's basketball team had a lot of stars show up for them and able to pull out that victory versus Grambling. Texas Southern's men's team was completely different. They went off the strength of the second unit, and they were the reason that they were able to pull this out. And now Texas Southern has the second longest um, win streak in SWAC men's basketball this year. Not active, but just this year. They're at six straight games. So when I look at it, you would think that, Jordan Carl Nicholas, you know, you would think that a Bryson Etienne will come up and they played, but that second unit is what really brought it home, especially in that second half, especially in that second half. So they're completely different as far as the approach. So we talked about one. Now let's talk about the other. And when I look at Texas Southern men's side, I look at the fact that offensively they have 68 points, but they have 44 come from the bench. So I go through the bath. But you know that's a large percentage. That's nearly two-thirds of the points came from players who were not starting. And it's not like they just have, 
a sixth man who just comes and takes over the game. It's not as if every time Avent or just use the school, for example, Avent comes in and drops 23, you know that point total is going to the bench. It's nothing to really skew that. You don't have a, a, a guy who is essentially a starter coming off the bench. But man, and when you're talking about scoring, they only had two players who hit double digits in this game. Both of them came off of the bench, one being Justin Hopkins and one being John Jones. And we're going to specifically focus on the latter because the second team they got in at the end of the game with about 14 points or 14 minutes left, never let it up. That speaks volumes on how good the bench was in this game, that at the end of the game, you essentially played the last 14 minutes because you know you know the coach is going to try to get his guys back in when a game gets late. But when you're playing as hot as they were, it's just not going to be the case. And like I said, we're going to focus on John Jones because he was actually the last of that second unit to come back into the game. But when he came in, they set it off like Queen Latifah set it off like Juvenile. Like this was a performance that I'm sitting there like, whoa, he had his highest or tied his highest amount of threes made in a single game with five. I'm, I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in the living room. Bang, bang, bang. Like I'm just going crazy because I'm, I'm so excited watching this happen. And he did it in a multitude of ways. It wasn't just spot up shooting. It was running when he had the ball in his hand, just off ball movement, running off of screens, you know, getting set up for the shot. Sometimes he would handle it. Um, he would he would handle the ball leading to a three. Sometimes it was coming up off a of transition. I thought that his performance really stood out. And honestly, when I think about it, his defining his defining moment, because he had five threes in a game, but I felt like his defining moment as far as the game goes was in a in a sequence in the second half where he got the ball he came off of a screen kind of got turned around it didn't it wasn't a spin move like it wasn't a spin move but it was smooth enough where he kind of got turned around and as soon as his body lined up with the rim he set his feet and he shot it and he made it that was a beautiful play in and of itself so alone you would probably be like wow that was a pretty good play by him a good pretty good shot maybe his best three of the day but then on defense, there was an errant pass that basically hit him like right in the shoulder-ish. And he was able to corral it, ran up the court, stopped, and hit a transition three. These are in a matter of probably about 10 seconds, maybe. And he knocks down the shot. They come up. I don't even think 10 seconds is fair, honestly. But those back-to-back -back threes, in my opinion, were the defining sequence of his game. And offensively, I thought that if you they stalled out towards the end of the game, and that's how I ended up getting really close because this was a nail biter. But John Jones, excuse me, Coach Johnny Jones was able to trust his guys enough to not say, all right, let's throw in the starters that we started the game with. He didn't bail on those guys. He kept up with them. And I thought that Jones' performance getting 15 points a game high and five threes, like I said, ties a career high for him. I just thought that that was extremely important. But it wasn't just offensively that they were able to show out with the bench. It was defensively as well. You look at it, they had eight steals on the game. Or excuse yeah, they had eight steals in the game. Most of them came from the bench. Like, you look at it, six of them came from the bench. You look at how many blocks they had during the game. They had six blocks during the game, all of which came from Bryson Gresham. So when I think about it, defensively, offensively, the best performances came from the defense. Gresham, I mean, excuse me, from the bench, Gresham was a guy who, as soon as he came in, you kind of felt his force. You kind of felt him change the tone of the game where you had to think twice before coming into the paint. And that's what he was able to do. He set the tone there. Six blocks by himself. 
So I thought that was extremely important. Even got himself a steal. Him and Jordan Gilliam just really showcased how good they were on the um, on the boards, not on the boards, but on the defensive side of the of the ball. And when you look at the result of this game, why I say they should be extremely happy, it's because now they're tied for first. And this this team or this this team that was fourth, yeah, they were fourth because you had Southern, FAMU, and Grambling all there. They were fourth, but only a game back from first. They have steadily climbed their way up. They knocked off FAMU. They knocked off Grambling. And now they're sitting there tied with Southern, and they have a game against Southern. So they're on a six-game win streak, second longest win streak of the SWAC season this year on the men's side. That's seventh, what they're trying to get to to tie FAMU, which, by the way, they ended FAMU's seven-game seven win streak. That's against the best. I guess they're tied now, but the, it's best versus best as far as swag men's basketball goes so that's what you're looking at it's a really tough game and i can't wait to see what happens you know well I, I'm, I'm assuming we'll most likely discuss that if not on tomorrow's episode then we'll discuss it on wednesday's episode one or the other we definitely will discuss it though at some point and this game becomes really important i told y'all pv could beat southern i said that on thursday's episode we were just referring to thursday's episode um i told y'all man pv is just one of those schools where i'm not counting them out i'm not um and i know some of my tsu followers probably hated me saying that on twitter but i'm just not i'm not counting them out and they knocked off southern and now southern's tied with tsu so instead of this game being for the tie of the lead this is for the sole possession of the lead in this game and i think this game just gets more important as you continue looking at it and i can't wait to recap it but first we're going to talk about jackson state because we have to finish this episode before we can get to the next episode i know i'll be trying to get ahead of myself sometimes but we have to finish this episode first and discuss the fact that jackson state is back in the southern heritage classic and before we discuss that i want to tell you about built bar the swiss army knife of bars because it's it's a protein bar yes but some people don't want to have a protein bar i get it some people just like i don't need no protein bar i just want a snack if you want a snack get it it's covered in chocolate they have a multitude of flavors i refuse to believe there's not one if you try them all there's one you will like i i i promise you that you know what i mean if you just go and you try and go to built.com use the promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off your offer you will find something that you like in that bunch but if you just want to have a protein bar so you're not scared off by the term protein then get it that's 17 grams of protein it's covered in chocolate so it's still going to taste good everybody wants something to taste good even if you're going to look at, oh, well, I'm trying to eat healthier. I don't uh, I, I don't want to have a nasty diet. Let me get a Built Bar because it is going to be delicious. And y'all remember what I said. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D. Uh, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your offer. Built Bar, man. Best bar on the market, bar none. <laughs> All right, as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I want to discuss Jackson State, and they're back in the Southern Heritage Classic in a move that I think you should just enjoy the end result and not really focus on what actually happened in between. Because, you know what, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do. What I will do is I'll present everything in front of you, and I will allow you to make that decision. I'll allow you to decide if you just feel like I need to focus on the fact that they're back in this game. But here's where the facts remain or where the facts lie now. Jackson State is leaving 
the Southern Heritage Classic. But they're leaving next year. Not this year, but next year. That's the big difference. Because now they've announced that they're going to return for the 2022 season, but they will be leaving after that. And when I look at it, that's the one thing that we know. But there's a lot of mess in it. There's a lot of difference in opinions in it. It's a lot of that, right? And I forgot to give today's word of the day. Let me get that real quick to you. The word of the day is fastidious. I discussed it in, or used it in the first segment. But fastidious basically means difficult to please. That's essentially what it means. If you just want to take it easy, that means difficult to please. So um, I use that discussing just the fact that Coach Coop is often fastidious, especially in her, her interviews. But I know it's just trying to get the best out of her players, and that's why we love her. Um, but to Jackson State. And Jackson State, there's a lot of mess in it. There's a lot of mess. That's where I was at. There's a lot of mess within this. And I think that it's kind of important to sort out. And I'm going to pick a side and say who I believe because there's a lot of this what I feel, that's what I feel, this what happened, that's what happened. And different sides having just different recollections. So the truth is likely somewhere in the middle. Let's look at it. Things we know. It was announced that Jackson State will be dropping out of the Southern Heritage Classic with Tennessee State. Tennessee State didn't like it. The Classic didn't like it. They thought it was irresponsible. They thought it was, just, just say wrong. There was a lot of adjectives that they threw out at Jackson State. Now Jackson State has come back around and they've said, no, that's we're not out. That was never our intent to be out. And there's some things in there. So A, they're saying that they're back and that's good. Let's applaud that. But Tennessee State and Jackson or in the Classic felt like they were blindsided at the beginning. Now they're saying, hey, we're going to come here for one more year and then we're going to be done. We're not just going to cut it off just so abruptly. I think if that was communicated from the jump, like from the very beginning, I think that there would have been less passionate displays in the media from Tennessee State, from the Classic. But because they were blindsided, they didn't see it coming. Because of all those things, they were upset and they showed it. Now, granted, Jackson State didn't do a great job of really communicating this either. Fred Jones, the founder of the Classic, said, we found out the same way that they weren't playing, that we found out they were playing. Both came through the media. So there was no ongoing communication. And let's get into this intent conversation because they say their intent was not to drop out this game. They first, I think, I, rewind. I want to give JSU some slack because I don't want to just bash them. They say that it was a leak as far as communication between them and their meet, uh, management team. I think that's the second leak coming out of Jackson. They say that schedule's fake. I say it's a leak. I think it was real conversation. But that's the second leak coming out of Jackson in not that long of a time. So they need to check their sources as far as that go as far as seeing who's in, in building or who's in the building and still kind of letting up rumors. But I get it. I believe it. I actually do believe them. I don't think that they would have voided the contract and didn't say anything to anybody. I don't believe that to be true. I think Jackson State handles business better than that. So I do want to give them some slack on that. Now let's get into the intent. Fred Jones. And look, if there's anybody who's built down or built to get to the mist down to the middle of the mystery, oh man, I butchered that. See, that's why I'm trying to be funny. Ah, Anyway, I'm going to get it. Forget that. I'm going to get that off. Listen, if there's anybody who's built to get down to the bottom of the mystery, then it's Fred Jones. And I, oh, I hate that I butchered that, but it's all good. Y'all going to rock with me. We just going to enjoy this together. 
And if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Sorry. Um, overall, he said, look, I saw the letter and the intent was to cancel everything. And I don't know if it's because Jackson State is leaving after this year or if they just felt like still a little bit of bad taste in their mouth, but they are airing everything out. They're not saying anything. Part of it probably has to do with, I don't want y'all to think this was my fault. I don't want you to think the classic just said, if you're leaving us in a year, leave us now. He's happy that a, that a solution was found, but I think he's still pretty upset. Let's just look at the information that's been presented in front of us, right? Let's just go down the information that we know through public knowledge. It said Jackson State is leaving the Southern Heritage Classic. No immediate denial. When it came to that schedule that I feel like was a leak, swift denial. That's not real. This They didn't come out and say that immediately. They waited until they got a, a resolution to come out and say, no, that's not real. That's not how we're doing it. Okay. Then that, that schedule comes out that I believe is real discussion just got leaked. They swiftly deny it, but Tennessee State is nowhere to be found in that schedule. And then let's see, you, th you go through comics and when storylines don't work or they're really just tired of them existing, writers will do something they call it retcon. It's basically just acting like it never happened. They'll try to present it to you like it just never happened. You're just supposed to understand it. It's almost like Barry dying in crisis of infinite earths right and then barry allen dying in christ of infinite earths and then nearly 30 years later just bringing him back you know it's, it's, i think it's something like that it's just like all right no barry's not dead anymore we're just gonna rewrite this and we're gonna do it like that um that's the loose example that i can give on that but that's what jackson state's doing no we didn't try to leave the classic we're here i think they tried to leave i think just like that schedule they saw the bad press that came with it and decided, hey, we're going to fix this. We're going to retcon this because we don't want this bad press that's coming about, coming to us. And I think that's what you should know. Just be happy that they're bringing their great fan base to Memphis because they have the, one of the best fan bases in college. Be happy about that. You're getting one more year of it because Jackson State didn't have to feel bad. They could just say, screw it. We're not going back, period. But they came back. They did what they did for Memphis and TSU or Tech Tennessee State. Tennessee State versus Jackson State will be happening one more time in the 2022 Southern Heritage Classic. That's what you should know. Also, you should be checking out Locked on HBCU as your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked on Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling, giving you expert analysis and insight to put some more money into your pockets. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, you can find me on that blue app, that bird, yes, Twitter, at South Exclusives. So take care. Stay blessed. Peace.